0: G'day, everybody, and welcome to an encore at the House of Mario. This is where I, Drew Agnew, open the doors to talk to you all about the world of Nintendo. And this encore, we're taking a trip back to the Alola region. That was featured in Pokemon Sun and Moon in 2016. And to be honest, guys, I've got mixed feelings about Pokemon Sun and Moon. But the Alola region and all the features and sort of Pokemon that are introduced were fantastic. I really do actually love the Alola region, even though I've got certain problems with the way sort of Game Freak implemented how the story progressed in these games. But really, really excited to be jumping into this discussion to celebrate the 25 years of the Pokemon series, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And 2016, man, this is when, you know, Pokemon hype was really, really high. So, earlier this year, Pokemon Go released and Pokemon Fever was just through the roof. So, I imagine a lot of people might have jumped into Pokemon Sun and Moon for the very first time. Gone and bought a 3DS. Seen what this uh, Pokemon fad's all about, even though it's been 20 years at this point. But, yeah, man, it's just, uh, it's, it's quite... um it's crazy to think about (laughs) those pokemon go days (laughs) and uh yeah it makes me wonder like what did i enjoy more that year pokemon go or pokemon sun and moon probably pokemon sun and moon like pokemon go was bare bones back then i think i got over it relatively quickly even though now the sort of changes in that they've you know they've had me for a couple of years playing pokemon go pretty consistently i went on my honeymoon recently um went to darwin and When you go to a brand new place and like, especially when you're in a city, there's like so much to do and, you know, Pokemon to interact with and gyms and Pokestops and all of that. So I had a lot of fun doing that. But anyway, we're not talking about Pokemon Go, we're talking about Pokemon Sun and Moon. Now I got to be, I got to be honest with you at the very start here. I know I said they're probably, you know, I'm pretty torn on how I feel about these games. Um... I don't so much like Pokemon Sun and Moon. I think they would have to be my least favourite in the series, honestly. But that isn't saying that I hate them. I don't hate them. It's just I really like all the other ones. There's, you know, I think like going through the generations, I definitely feel like I definitely feel like they've all got a lot to offer and there's no different with Sun and Moon. But I just feel like with um with Sun and Moon, there's just so much just talking and stopping and cutscenes. And this is where Game Freak were really trying to sort of flex their muscles. You know, it's the second generation on the 3D system that they started, you know, making the 3D graphics and that for. And they wanted to do more cutscenes, some more cinematic experiences. And I think like the first time through, that was that was fine. That was fun, you know. So it seemed like Pokemon and a bit more animated characters, a bit more lifelike in some instances. I know that like, you know, Sun and Moon. There's like there's parts where they're just like it's a very dramatic cutscene, but your your player character is just looking just blank, just <laughs> just staring with a smile. It's like, dude, like the world is ending. Aren't you looking like upset or anything? But you know, there's there's a few sort of instances like that. But what this ultimately has done for me is I haven't gone back and replayed Sun and Moon since 2016, and they. In 2017 they released Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. You know, there's some difference there's a lot of differences in the game with uh, you know Ultra and Necrozma. There's differences in the story, there's uh, new Ultra Beasts. There's uh, like the uh, I guess the wormholes at the at the end of the game where you can get the legendaries. There's Rainbow Rocket with um, bringing all the I guess the villains from other sort of universes and regions to sort of just form this one big mega evil team. You now there's a lot there, but I I honestly, guys, I couldn't get through it. I haven't finished Pokemon Ultra Sun or Ultra Moon yet. You know, I got, I got probably like five hours into it and I'm like, I can't do it again, man. It's just, and I feel really bad saying that about a Pokemon game. And I do intend to get there eventually. It's still in my 3DS, still in my 3DS. I haven't left it. But it's still it's like the one mainline Pokemon game I haven't played. If you want to count it, like obviously I've played Sun and Moon, but if you if I've if I've got one Pokemon game I haven't played, it's it's Sun and Moon and, or Ultra Sun Ultra Moon. You know I've gone back and played Crystal and uh, Emerald and you know uh, was it Platinum, um, Black and White two. You know all the third games I've played them, even though there's like barely any differences. For those games, this is like the one game I haven't touched. So the Alola region, I just, I don't have um, as many memories because I've only played it through once compared to, I guess, like the first first few Pokemon games. I've played it like, (laughs) I've played it a lot. Um, Even uh, even X and Y, man, I played that uh, through a couple of times. Not recently though. I think I like played it through a couple of times the year it came out. So 2013, it's been a long time for that series too. (laughs) <laughs> but um, I think um, I think Delfino Durians has a similar sort of experience I've had. So I asked in our Discord community sort of um, people's memories and stories they have got from playing Pokemon Sun and Moon and the Alola region, and this is what she has to say. So these are her thoughts. So as I've said on the GammaCast, Alola is like watching Citizen Kane. You play through for the first time and have a great enjoyment of all the characters and story. But upon replaying the game, you notice a few tiny details that you didn't know didn't before. But you're but you're more bored out of your mind since you've seen it all before, and there's no way to skip it. Uh, this especially hurts in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, where it would have been great DLC additions to the game uh, had the 3DS had a better time implementing paid DLC. Um, the anime though is perfect in nearly all regards and made Alola feel much more like a community than uh, than the games did, which is true because like for those that haven't watched the uh, anime, and I've only watched a few episodes of the anime, I haven't watched like, you know, the whole series or anything, but the Sun and Moon anime, it's kind of like they took a really different sort of take on Ash's journey throughout the Alola region. Um, the other regions, he would, Progress. with a couple of buddies, and he would go from gym to gym. Eventually, get to the Pokemon League and lose. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened in the in there. And along the way, he would have um, he run to various characters and try to help them out, um, whatever way he could. But in Alola, he basically went back to school, and he went to a Pokemon school, and uh, a lot of the kids from the Alola region also went to this school, and um, they'd go on like field trips and stuff to different uh, places within the Alola region, and it became like a sort of like a slice of life anime, which personally I really enjoy. It's just animes about nothing, just, you know, people enjoying themselves, <laughs> just getting up to antics, which uh, was actually really quite good. So just the whole, just the fact that like all the characters felt like a big group, a big family was actually really, really quite awesome. But um, I guess the games, you know, they didn't really have that. And there's, there's a few sort of characters in there that you're like, what the hell was your motive? Why are you doing what you're doing? But in the anime, it's like, oh, they sort of fleshed out a lot more, which, you know, it's an anime. It's, um, you know, you got 20 minutes to tell a pure story rather than like, I guess, a, a handheld game necessarily. But, you know, Pokemon games in the past have told better stories with less uh, sort of at their fingertips. So, yeah. Um, But she goes on to say, but since it, since it wasn't there, you're left watching the same swan tail until a Necrozma, um, um, what's it called? Uh, AU kicks in Uh, for a game series. that doesn't want to take your time grinding levels anymore, it sure does take, take it in other ways. Yeah. So that's basically what happened with me. Like, you know, I I was keen to get to the, you know, the ultra wormholes. That sounds awesome. Keen for rainbow team rocket, but just, just getting there. Like you're replaying the same game and, Pokemon, it's for me. It's all about exploration. It's about collecting. It's about discovery. And when you're being stopped, just like, you know, in your tracks, it's like, oh, just, just stop, man, stop. Just let, let me keep going. I just, especially when I've played it like the first time, I'll be happy just like skip the cutscenes, explore, explore the town, talk to all the characters. Oh, cool, move on. Then you go into a patch of grass and you get like a Pokemon you've never seen before. Oh, wow, what's this? And like you put it in your team and you don't know what it is. And just that is like the pure, pure magic of Pokemon. I feel like you know the storytelling kind of got in the way of Sun and Moon. To be honest with you, as good as the story might be for some people, um, you know that's just that's just my personal opinion. Um, if you love the story and you don't care about exploring and just being stopped every thirty seconds, that's fine. But I guess the problem is just with the writing as well. It's just like a lot of the characters didn't have that much of interest you know it's just like a lot of like dribble so all right we we get it man (laughs) we get it (laughs) if it was just like the main plot points where there's like a big cut scene like oh wow here we go the legendary is like um you know awakening and stuff's rumbling you know just whatever's going on oh you know but yeah but anyway we'll get into that a little bit more later on but just a bit more background on the alola region itself so the alola region is a region in the pokemon world it's the seventh uh, region in the core series to be introduced, and it was introduced in Pokémon Sun, Moon, Ultra Sun, and Ultra Moon. And Alola is made up of four natural islands and one artificial island. It is the most popular resort destination and attracts a lot of tourists from other regions. In Alola, humans and Pokémon coexist in a very close relationship, and a culture has developed that is different from other regions. So that is the main highlight of I guess the Alola region. It's based on Hawaii, so it's a very tropical climate. Um, you've got like different sort of ecosystems as well. You've got like a um, big tower that, sorry, a big volcano that, you know, we're at the top. It's uh, it's snowing, so you get access to different ice Pokemon. Uh, Alolan volpix anyone? Such a cool Pokemon. Alolan Sandshrew. We'll get into the Alolan forms in a little bit here, but just um, it's a great region, man. But what, what sort of disappointed me when I played it is when you see like the map of Alola you see the four islands, you see all the sea, you're like, oh my God, there's going to be so much to explore in this region. It's going to be awesome. Like just going from island to island is going to be so much fun. And, you know, I, I sort of go back to say the Hoenn region and Ruby and Sapphire. You get to a point in the game where it's time to learn surf and you progress your adventure on the ocean. And on the ocean, there's places to dive, there's islands to discover. There's a lot to explore within that region. But when it comes to your Lola region, you know, you're on an island. It's like, all right, so i to go to the next one. And then you get on the boat. You go to the next one. And there's just like, there's not much. You can't explore the sea. I know in the uh, Ultra games, there's they sort of implemented like a mini game where you can like progress from island to island on a Sharpedo. But it's not the exploration that I'm looking for. It's not what it was in the Holland region, which is a very ocean-based region where the ocean is pretty much half of the region. Whereas I, it would have been so cool to discover like little tiny islands between all of these ones as well, and um, yeah, that was that was something that disappointed me at first. Like the, the exploration is just sort of taken out of it, and just like some of the mechanics as well, where like you know you got the you got the actual islands to explore, and there's bits that are locked off, and you've got to come back later with different Pokemon Pokemon ride abilities, which was a great implementation in Pokemon Sun and Moon. Whereas, like, you don't need HMs anymore. If you want to smash something, you ride a Tauros and you smash it with its head. Or you want to fly, you you know, you have a ride Pokemon Charizard where you just call him and you go on your merry way. Like, there's that was absolutely fantastic. And I think most of these features that they added were a great step for the Pokemon series. And there's many things that they did implement here that went on to make, say, Sword and Shield in the upcoming Pokemon games that much better for it as well. But um, yeah, we've got some trivia for the, the region itself, which is, I always enjoy just like checking this out. This is thanks to Bulbapedia. So the trivia here is Alol is the only core series region which the player home is not like located in a city or town. It's instead located on route one. Uh, it's the only region with an elite trainer member changes within a single generation. So usually like. Um, Elite Four members might change from, say, it's Generation 1 to Generation 2, when the Indigo Plateau was shared by both Kanto and Johto. So this, uh, this is a very beginning of the Pokemon League, which is such a cool concept. Like, really, that is absolutely awesome. How, like, you know, gyms don't exist in this region and it's basically, they've got trials. And when you pass the trials, you verse, like, this Totem Pokemon, which is a big, buffed sort of version of that Pokemon. You take it down, you get the... get the thing and you proceed so that's that was an absolutely fantastic idea i don't know how well it was implemented but regardless we'll talk about it a bit later as well um the the alola is a a palindrome it's the only region with a palindrome as a name so palindrome for those that um don't know or can't remember is basically it's spelled the same backwards and forwards so that's, that's a pretty cool little detail uh it's got more than one burial ground and Alola is the only core series region not to feature gym leaders, gyms, or badges, a notable ice-type expert, bicycles, a champion that pres- uh, precedes the player, a diploma received from someone upon completing the Pokédex. So, yeah, that's that's one thing because I never completed the Pokédex in these games. So, I don't know, man. I, I would have liked that diploma. That diploma, it's always, it's always one of those things where you just laughed at it. It's like... You do all this work and like in some Pokemon games, it's just like a diploma that you can't even keep. You've got to go and talk to that one specific guy, usually in the Game Freak um, headquarters within that game to go and see it. <laughs> um, it was cool back in um, like the Game Boy games with the Game Boy printer where you could print it on this tiny bit of receipt paper. You could have put it on your wall. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, Alola is the first core series region not to feature HMs and, oh, sorry, t- H-M's and field moves, uh, cuttable plants, and gates. And Lola has the fewest settlements of any core series region with a total of 10. And each region is named after a Hawaiian word of a certain color, corresponding with nectar available on said island. So yeah, that's uh, the bit of the trivia from Bulbapedia. So just some interesting little facts there. I always um, enjoy seeing them. Just like, there you go. There you go. So let's talk about some of the characters before we get into some more of the region. So um, some of the main characters, Lily. Lily is probably the most interesting character within the game. Um, she's uh, someone who doesn't like Pokemon battling. She's afraid of Pokemon and her sort of story arc throughout the game is really quite awesome. And how, you know, she has from the very start has sort of, I guess she's the parent of a cosmog, which goes, goes on to evolve into like the main series legendary, which is pretty cool. So Lily is a mysterious girl who assists the professor. This young girl, is about the same age as your character, and she's working with Professor Kukui's, uh, working as Professor Kukui's assistant for personal regions. She's not found fond of making Pokemon fighter battles, but she really loves reading and has de- has uh, devoured many books. Lily will play an important role in the story, so yes, she will. And there's Professor Kukui, and uh, he is a uh, Alola's Alola, Alola, the Alola regions dependable Pokemon professor. He lives near your home and looks out for you. He's passionate about his research into Pokemon moves and sometimes uh and has sometimes taken direct hits from Pokemon when there was something to be learned from it. Sporting a white lab coat slung casually over his bare torso, he shows off his own unique style. He's also quite interested in pro wrestling. So yeah. He's a he's a he's a good pro wrestler. It's pretty cool too, like um, I guess just going on to like the ending of the game. Um, I don't think I have to put a spoiler warning, but you know, spoiler warning, we are talking all about the Alola region here. I think prof- Professor Kukui, to me, he was always like that, I guess, you know, your, your professor typically has been like the older sort of type, you know, being a bit more like, you know, professory, but like going to the Alola region where it's just so casual, like just the climate and all that just like I've just, I just been to Darwin, for example. It's so hot up there. It's about 30-so degrees every day. It's beautiful. It's nice. Everyone's just in shorts and flip-flops and just, you know, enjoying life. I don't think anyone's taking themselves too seriously, you know, and that is kind of what um, the Alola region is like as well. So Professor Kukui just a casual guy, passionate about Pokemon, sweating his, probably, sweating his armpits out probably. <laughs> But just like in the Pokemon League where he like, wants to start up a Pokemon League to be get involved like other regions have with a Pokemon League. And since he is, I guess, the founder or whatever, he is the champion that you verse at the end of the game, which is really cool. It's awesome. And like you verse the starter Pokemon that you didn't pick, the one that's stronger against you because your, I guess, your ally or your rival um, decided not to pick it. So Professor Kukui is awesome. There's the trial captains the island cocooners uh, team skull. So like, just like the boss of team skull is awesome. Um, yeah. Guzma. Guzma what a legend. So Guzma is the boss of team skull who holds these r- ruffians together. Guzma pause on the attack battling without mercy. He certainly does seem strong, but he, he claims to be one of those who could never become captains. He seems to have a bone to pick with professor Kukui as well. So there's like a lot of sort of tension between these characters and what's going on. And, you know, Team Skull, they're a bunch of thugs, but I think like at their heart, they're not really that bad, which is which is really weird. Like um, they're quite an interesting, uh, I guess, villain team for the game. And uh, if you've played the game as well, you know that they're not the only villainous team out there. And one... You know they try to come across as good guys, but from the very start, I feel like Game Freak kind of handled these guys a bit wrong. So the Aether Foundation, which turns out to be like I guess like the main sort of villain within the game, uh, the leader Luciman, Uh she she is just like psychotic and just has um, some really really shitty ideas. <laughs> so she functions the uh, uh, Aether Foundation's president and claims to be claims to love all Pokemon. Be they native to the Alola region or not, but she's got some she's got some bad ideas, that's for sure. She tries to awaken some ultra beasts and kind of uh, kind of fucks some stuff up. But I guess they're the sort of the main characters we'll go over to start off with. And um yeah, they're uh, they're pretty cool. Pretty cool characters. I think um like sort of the story in this game, regardless of like how it sort of just like puts the brake on expiration every turn. Every, every time you want to go for another to another building, every time you want to go to another half of the city, every time you want to go to a route, it's just like talk, 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 character comes up to you, you know, it's story, story, story. I think when you actually look at it at like a bird's eye level, the story is great and how these characters interact with one another is pretty pretty interesting. But let's talk about the really interesting thing about Pokemon it is the Pokemon. So um, Pokemon Sun and Moon... Introduced a bunch of new Pokemon and I think a lot of them are absolutely fantastic. So like the starter Pokemon, Rowlet, Lit- uh, Litten and Popido. Um I, I I like them. Um, I, I really like Rowlet. I liked Rowlet from the very start and it's evolution, Dartrix and Decidueye. Decidueye is wicked. Like it's not the best typing being a ghost grass, just the idea of like this hour who evolves into like a Robin Hood sort of inspired character is awesome. So I'm really, really happy with Decidue. It was the one I played through with, but it, it became a bit worse. It, it, it sort of got more vulnerable to more weaknesses once it changed from a, fi- a, a flying grass to a ghost grass. But regardless of typing, it's just a, such an awesome Pokemon. I actually pulled a, um, I got an old pack of sun and moon cards in uh, these uh, first partner um packs I'm collecting at the moment, but uh, the Pokemon company are releasing. And I actually got a, yeah, uh, was that uh, an EX Decidui It's really cool. Really cool. So Lytton, I, I, Lytton's grown on me because when I first saw that it evolved into Tora Cat, I'm like, oh, wicked. It's still on all fours. Hopefully it just evolved into like this big cat and be, be awesome. But then it like stands up and it becomes <laughs> Insignior. Insignior. Insinuar <laughs> And I'm like, oh, are you serious? It's going to be like the fourth fire fighting type in a row. Like you got to be serious. Like seriously, Game Freak, just what's going on? <laughs> but then it becomes a, a fire dark. It's like, all right, it's um, it's kind of a fighting type, a pseudo fighting, fighting type in some way, but they sort of got away with it just making it a dark type because I guess it's a wrestler and it's playing the heel of wrestling, so it's a dark type. it's yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But it's grown on me since it's been in Smash Bros, and I've got it in, um, got it in like various other games. I'm like, yeah, it's grown on me. I quite like it, quite like it, quite like playing as him in, um, Smash Brothers, and his, uh, his, his up A is just, uh, just suicidal. <laughs> it's very strong, but his recovery is not so great. And uh, yeah, Populo, Pop Leo popular it's just like um when, I, when i'm like solo podcasting let's my i think my throat gets a bit sore so like <laughs> syllables seem to like merge together so sorry about that but um yeah poppy though jesus Poplio <laughs> uh evolving into uh brino brino no brie only bri- Brioni, yeah uh then prim pr- 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 I can't talk, man. Primi, Prim, Prim, Primarina, <laughs> Primarina. Jesus, uh, it'd probably be my least favorite. You know, I, I'm, I'm not. This sounds like a typical boy thing to say, I think, but I'm just not not into like the, the super feminine looking Pokemon necessarily, and that's just a taste thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I, I don't think it's a bad Pokemon. I think it's an awesome typing. Having a starter Pokemon being a water, a fairy type, which is awesome. But I think it's. If, I think looking back at it, it's a it's a very solid uh, set of starter Pokemon. Definitely not my favourite by any stretch of the imagination, but really awesome nevertheless. But there's some other great Pokemon as well. So <laughs> there's a uh, um, gumshoes, and there like you know it, it looks like especially at the time, 2016, Donald Trump just won the American election, and he's got a Donald Trump haircut. He's got like the expression of Donald Trump, like. I don't know if Game Freak were trying to like... I don't know why they would try to make this rodent look like Donald Trump. <laughs> maybe, that, well, maybe that was their message. They're like, oh, look, we've, we've made a rodent because we really don't think much of Donald Trump. So we've literally made a little rodent-looking version of him. I don't know. It's, it's funny. It's funny. Um, the bug Pokemon, I guess, like the first one you'd run into would be a Grubbin, which evolves into a Charbug and a, a, a Vikavolt. which Vikavolt is awesome, a bug electric type. Just, uh, you know, one of the best bug types out there. And I think Game Freak, they're becoming like a lot more sort of experimental with the bug type um, Pokemon, which is great to see because for a long time, the bug type was just like, it like it, it might look cool, it looks like a bug, but it really doesn't play much role in actually catching it and using it. Like, you're just not going to do it. Uh, crab Brawler was a Pokemon I really liked. He's a fighting type. He's a, a crab with boxing gloves. Um, I, really, I really liked it and... I didn't know what it evolved into. I knew that it had an evolution. It evolves into Crab but it was really, really annoying because like I, I caught like Crabrawler at the start of the game, and it wasn't until like towards the end, like on the way to the Pokemon League, you could evolve it because you had to evolve it in the snow. It becomes a, a fighting ice type. So you've got to wait to the very end of the game to get to the snow and then you level it up in the snow and evolve. So, okay, cool. cool. Like, finally, like I've done the whole game with a a Pokemon that could evolve that didn't because there's just no snow. So I feel like from a design perspective on this Pokemon in particular, that that was just a missed opportunity. I think like giving the option to evolve it with an ice stone or something would have been a lot more suitable because, yeah, I just had a Pokemon that just wasn't evolved the whole game and I don't know if... They're trying to like make it feel more special to evolve it because it takes so long to get there. But regardless, but it's funny because when it became an ice type, it became so much worse. It just opened it up to so many more weaknesses. I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe, well, maybe that was a good thing, but I kept it as a crap roller then because <laughs> I just had a lot less weaknesses. Uh, one of my favorite Pokemon ever, Cutie Fly and Ribombi, uh, which is a bug. Fairy type. One of my, I reckon it's probably my favorite bug type. I don't know. Would it be? I don't know. Looking at Butterfree and like, you know, stuff from earlier generations. I really love like Wormpole and Beautifly and Dustox as well. So I don't know. But Ribombi, I'm like, as soon as it popped up on my screen, I'm like, I need you. You look so cool. And it turned out to be a beast too. It was so strong. A special attack was through the roof. <laughs> I'm looking here. I think, um, yeah, no. It's like speeds a speed his base speed is one twenty five like it's so fast so fast and small it's awesome. Oh, Rockruff! Yes, Rockruff. This was one of the Pokemon that was announced first. It's got two different forms, but evolves into it evolves into a midday form. If you evolve it, I think in was it was it just the day or was it just in sun? I think it was. I think it's version exclusive. Yeah, must have been. So if you evolve it during the day or in sun or whatever it was, you get the midday form, and then. In, Vice versa, you get it. Um, you get the midnight form, which is like a werewolf, which is pretty sick. But I had I had Pokemon Sun, so I got the midday form. I really enjo- enjoyed the midday form. That was a Pokemon I went through with the game, and uh, I, f- I think it's just a really cool designed Pokemon. Um, we've got Wishy Washy, which is a uh, really quite an interesting take. So, uh, Wishy Washy, it's a really weak Pokemon. It's like this tiny little fish, but it's got an ability called schooling. So when you're down to a certain amount of health, uh, basically a school of wishy-washy form together to form a brand new form, which is called the, which is called the school form, and you're able to um, go on from there. And your attack, you attack and speed and all your stats go through the roof. So yeah, it's, it's a, quite a risky Pokemon. I haven't seen it used too much in competitive or anything like that, but it's a really interesting take on just, I guess, fish <laughs> and the nature of what they do, especially, I assume like in during uh, in Hawaii, like the real, the real place that um you know fish get around it quite a quite bit. But we'll get through them a bit quicker now. So there's Toxapex, really cool Pokemon. These are <laughs> these are Pokemon that are, have quite an interesting lore as well, where they actually like eat Corsola. They actually crunch down Corsola because this Pokemon is I guess based off like a I guess like a little like merchant sea merchant that like actually eats coral reef. So. It's quite a cool lore. Um, Mudsdale. I had one of them on my team. This big ground horse. Awesome. Uh, Araquanid. Love that. Man, the ghost. Sorry, ghost. uh, A water bug type. Uh, Beware. Beware was awesome. This big pink hugging teddy bear. Just a normal fighting type. (laughs) Oh, man. Then there's the, the legendaries as well and the ultra beasts, which we'll get into a little bit later. But um, I think the best thing that they introduced in Generation 7 by far, and this is something that's gone on, it's going to continue for many more years and it's going to be a great way for Game Freak to introduce new designs without actually increasing the Pokédex. And it's going to be... This is pretty much what killed Mega Evolution, guys, um, was different regional forms. So they'll introduce as Alolan forms in the Alola region and they're basically... Different forms of existing Pokemon with different, say, with a, with a different appearance. In most cases, a different typing, different attacks, because of their different habitats in the in a new region, which this is really really cool. So, but um, in the uh, I guess the lore of things, Alola is very close to the Kanto region. So, I think all if not most of these Pokemon are based off Kanto Pokemon. Yes, they're all Kanto Pokemon. All the Alolan forms. So like, you know, Raditar and Radicate, they became normal dark types and they look really cool. I like Raditar. Radicate just got fat. <laughs> uh, Lolan Raichu was really cool to see how it became an electric psychic type. It's able to surf on its tail, which is really nice. And it, it becomes cute. Does it become cuter? I guess its eyes become cuter. I don't know. Sanctuary, which is awesome. Unfortunate typing with the steel ice type, but a really cool Pokemon. Just the idea of it. And I think everyone, I think the fan favorite is Alolan Volpix and a Alolan Ninetales becoming an ice fairy type. Just absolutely unreal. One of the funnier ones being Alolan Diglett and Doug Trio. They just get like hair <laughs> and become a ground steel type. I guess um, the stuff on the ground encourages steel to be incorporated into them and it comes out as hair. Alolan Meowth, Alolan Persian. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too fussed on that. Like Persian, Persian looks pretty ugly, you know, just because of a big round head. I guess that's just, you know, different breeds of cats around the world, you know, just make it look different. Must come a bit inbred with the local cats <laughs> in the region. I don't know. A lot of Jiru, gravel and Gollum, becoming Rock Electric. Always forget about them for some reason or another. Uh, Alolan Grimer and Muck. These ones are cool. they will become a Poison Dark type because of the... I think like... I can't, I can't remember. It wasn't it wasn't the pollution. Obviously, normal Muck is just pollution, but I think it's like... I can't quite remember. I might have clicked on it. But um, Exeggutor and Marowak as well getting forms. Uh, Exeggutor, I reckon, that would have to be tied with Nine Tails. It's like one of the more popular ones. I think it's just like... Such a natural thing, just uh, with Lola having coconut trees and that, that Exeggutor would get a form where it just becomes like a massive tall one instead of just like a real short one, which was in the Kanto region. Because apparently there's no sun in Kanto, no sun. Let's click on Muck here. Let's see, I can't quite remember. I'm sure there's people out there who know exactly what it is. But let's look at the Pokedex here. So for sun, its stench gives off what will make your nose scrunch up. Still, there are muck fans who think it's a good thing. Uh, after recent environmental improvements, this Pokemon is now hardly seen at all. Po- people speculate that it may go extinct at some point. So I think like the idea is that like yeah, in a Lolo, that's just like such such more. It's a lot more cleaner than other regions, so it's reflected in the in the thing. I don't know. The f- The food source has decreased and the numbers have declined sharply. Sl- sludge ponds are being built to prevent their extinction. Huh. So, is that a Pokemon you want to keep around though? I don't know if it is. <laughs> I don't know if a muck is something up. Or- it's like, cause like here in Australia, like, you know, koalas, they're they're facing extinction. And, you know, we're going to set up habitats and zoos and breeding programs to get koalas back on their feet because, you know, they're... They're vulnerable you know, with um, with bushfires and stuff. So we need to sort of give them a hand. And I guess that's the same with muck. But do you want, like, if there's like, big sludge monsters, you're like, oh, fuck, we need these things. I think we do. Like, if there's, like, an, an environmental catastrophe in the Alola region, I think we I think the people will need something to clean it up. It's kind of like flies. I mean, no one likes flies. Flies suck. I, You know, you're, you're in the house, you get the fly spray out, you, you kill them all. But say if like you get like a, a dead, I don't know, a dead animal in your backyard. Flies will get to it, they'll break it down, land their maggots <laughs> and all that and they'll break it down and then all you've got to do is pick up some bones. So like, and you do notice when there's no flies or no dung beetles or any of these like, disgusting, <laughs> disgusting bugs that clean up stuff, but they're very important to the ecosystem. So I guess that's why you want to keep muck around because if there's a oil spill or something that, um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, (laughs) that's my muck discussion. And and with that, let's jump into our next community member who wrote into the show, Wacko Jacko from twitch.tv slash Wacko Jacko. And he says about the Alola region, Ah, yes, the Alola region. I remember when this game was announced, it was like the other day, but it wasn't. It was quite some time ago, actually. I remember them announcing the new starters and how much Pokemon fans were upset about the designs. I, however, adored them and was looking forward to starting a new adventure. Pokemon Moon was my first Gen 7 game and it was a very enjoyable experience. Uh, Being able to play against the Totem Pokemon proved to be quite the challenge. The introduction of Z-moves brought an exciting Change to battles, but weren't a go to each time due to the repetitiveness and the disgrace of Twinkle Tackle was very off putting. I really liked the change up of the landscape, really nailing the Hawaiian theme. The introduction of Ultrasun Ultra Moon gave a real uh, weird kind of alien vibe spin off, which was the last thing I was expecting from a Pokemon game. Travelling through wormholes was just a bit insane for me. To wrap it up, this piece of uh, to wrap up this piece, the Pokemon game and forms were nice. The story was okay, despite too much friggin' dialogue boxes. Speed text uh, fast is a must. Yes, please, and an overall enjoyable experience. The only downside for a was when my three DS, along with my copy of Moon, was stolen. Same. Yeah, well I'll tell you what, Wacko Jacko, that was one hundred percent on Game Freak. They should not have let your Pokemon game get stolen, those bloody bastards. But it sounds like Wacko Jacko is in a similar sort of um, mindset as me, but I guess using this to jump into sort of the <laughs> the Z moves, which was a brand new mechanic in a uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon. And this was a big sort of I guess uh, I guess battle gimmick second battle gimmick we've seen after Mega Evolutions and going on to Dynamax and Generation 8. But this was an interesting one because basically it lets you put a Z crystal on a Pokemon as a hold item and it allowed them to do a Z move with that particular attack. So if you've got a, say, a uh, electric Z crystal on, you're able, and you've got a electric move, you're able to, do, able to use that Z crystal move which is um, just like a massive attack. And if it's super effective, you're probably going to knock it out in the first hit if uh, like your levels are around about the same way. So it's kind of like this big super sane move. But like you said with <laughs> Twinkle Tackle, some of the some of the names for these moves was just it's just ridiculous. Like, you know, for, for the most part, most uh, moves have very, you know, very straightforward names whether it's Tackle or Hydro Pump, Water Gun, Flame thrower, fire blast, Takedown. like there's just, you know, we're all used to it. And there's some like new moves that came out. Like, oh look, there's a new move called scold, which isn't new anymore. It's pretty old now. But look, you can burn a Pokemon with a water type move. That's pretty, pretty awesome because it burns them with boiling water. That's pretty neat. Um, but yeah, when it comes to like twinkle tackle and like I, f- I, f- I forgot forgot Snorlaxes were like was like like Pancake Stomp or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's like they, they just... I think the designers just had like a lot of fun with um, with these games and being able to just name them ridiculous things. I'll see if I can bring up a list on Serebii, on, on <laughs> some of these names. Um, but it was just an absolutely ridiculous uh, sort of sort of naming convention. I, I, I loved it personally. <laughs> but yeah, I... But like as far as the names go, like I didn't really enjoy the actual mechanic though. I think it's the weakest out of Mega Revolution's Dynamaxing, and Z crystals. I think it sort of offered the least to the series. It wasn't that interesting. It sort of just gave you a win button, especially in the actual story itself. Because with Mega Revolution, for the most part, the other trainers were able to use the Mega Revolution as well. Well, I guess I guess the other Pokemon use Z moves as well, but it never seemed it never seemed to be that big a deal. But don't know. Like I said, I can I can barely remember the games in, in, in some aspects. So let's go to Z, Z moves here. So there's like 10 million volt Thunderbolt, acid downpour, all out pummeling, black hole eclipse, bloom doom, breakneck blitz, catastrophe picker. <laughs> Uh, continental crush Jesus Christ Corkscrew clash a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of interesting naming conventions here uh, where's where's the Snorlax one? I really want to know the Snorlax one yeah you got twinkle tackle <laughs> twinkle tackle the user uh, creates a large charming space using its z power and, to- and totally toys with the target the power varies depending on the original power move <laughs> stoked spark surfer Oceanic (laughs) Opeta. Yeah, so, yeah, they're just, like, fun, I guess. I guess, like, you know, you want, like, a big, massive name to come out. A pulverizing pancake, that's the one. I guess they're all, like, uh, iterations or uh, alliterations. Yeah, just all of, like, the same, same thing going on. But, yeah, so... Before we get into the, I, um, the last ride in for the show, let's go through some of the music because Sun and Moon, uh, for me, has some absolutely amazing music. Um, Pokemon music has always been awesome, um, but I think Sun and Moon—it's always stood out to me the least. I think I just like prefer like the really upbeat sort of epic Pokemon music we might expect from like other battles. Because there haven't there hasn't been a battle theme I haven't liked. But to be honest, I can't remember this one. So if you might be in the same boat as me. You might not have played Sun and Moon or Ultra Sun and Moon in a long time. So let's uh, let's jump into it together. Let's go through just a few of the songs here. So the title theme. They pretty much keep the same title theme like all the time now. Just like this nostalgic sort of throwback to older Pokemon games. Which I enjoy. I really enjoy it. we have heard this one a fair bit. We've heard the Alola regional theme at the very start. So let's go to Route 1 on Mele Mele Island. Just really casual. Nice. Alright, let's go to our rival battle, Howl. The battle music for him. Let's see if it does anything for me, because like... Ooh, I like, I like the drums. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just like cheeky. Oh like, see. that bit's cool. There's always like a bit in Pokemon music where like, especially the battle themes where it's like it does like the main theme, then it goes into like that bit of a verse kind of bit there where it just like it really gets me like every time even like songs like that where I'm not like massively a big fan of it so cool so Wild Pokemon Battle let's jump into that one yeah it's yeah, this is good it's very much like a play of like past battle themes I feel like Feels familiar There's like When we go to the Sword and Shield It's a very different battle theme For the wild Pokemon battle yeah, Cool man Where are we gonna go next? We're gonna go to a trainer battle, I reckon. Some of Let's see what the thing of the trainer battle. Oh yeah, that's right. Bit coming up here, I love. Yeah, I think it's this bit coming up next. Yeah, this bit. <laughs> yeah, the, the drums. Yes. Yeah, great theme. I love it. I really do love the trainer battle. I couldn't remember it though. <laughs> I like, is it because, is that for a reason or not? <laughs> no, no, it's not. Great, great song. Alright, so I'm just going through like, the, the original soundtrack at the moment. Like, I, I downloaded it to like, play it on here. It's four discs long, the soundtrack for this game. Like, there's so many songs. Like a lot of it's like You know Casual Like for example We'll go This song's called On the Ship This is a bit more up there Very nice Very nice Anyway let's go to Gladion So We actually haven't talked About Gladion So this might be A good opportunity To discuss him So let's go to His battle theme Oh yeah. trying to remember this as we're going along too. So this is an interesting character. He kind of comes across more as, I guess, your actual rival, not just your ally or friend and um, you find out that he's uh, a part of Team Skull because he's rebelling against his mother, who was Lusamine, the leader, and eventually the, the nutter that uh, unleashes the Ultra Beast with, <laughs> on the Alola region. But this is, this is one of the characters with a really interesting story arc as well. So, cool, cool character. I think he's um, one of the more memorable characters from the game. And of course he's um, Lily's older brother. So he's um, you know, looking out for her the whole time. Because you're her friend. Right, let's go to a team bat a team skull admin battle. I don't think we've seen the Oh yeah, there's the Battle Royale. I've completely forgot about that. So this game had like a battle royale mode before battle royale was cool like just like a few months before Fortnite and (laughs) all this stuff took off but there's like a four-way battle where you could actually like choose what pokemon you wanted to attack and like the last last trainer actually wins So that's pretty cool i can't remember the music from it though it was very much like a a gimmick that i think a lot of people overlooked and never really became a thing let's have a listen That's pretty good. Pretty cool. I probably forgot about that aspect of the game. I think a lot of people have. Just as, all right. Let's move on to a song from the Poké Pelago. This is another feature that was introduced in these games, and haven't really seen anything since. So the Pokepelago Pelago is a group of uninhabited islands in a Lola reserve for the pleasure of Pokémon. It consists of five islands that can be developed, each having its own function. Pokemon from the PC can visit most of the islands of the Pokepelago freely to relax and play. Each of the five islands can be developed, but doing so requires the help of Pokemon from the PC and a plain beans to feed them. Pokepelago is often uh, overseen by uh, Moan? Uh, from the raft hut, the Poképella goes accessed through the menu in the Pokémon uh, Sun and Moon. It can be visited as soon as the Charizard Glide is registered in the player's ride pager after completing a Kiwi uh, Kiwi's trial. Um, Pokémon. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's an interesting little thing where you can basically like it makes you made you feel better about having Pokémon in the PC. Basically, they're still like living their life and having fun and leveling up and getting items and stuff. There's a, there's a neat little thing in the games all right let's go on let's go to the uh, team skull battle admin and that's one of the coolest things about team skull music it's got, got like the, the lyrics in the back. really like that one too. Like the team skull music is awesome. I don't know where the actual grunt music is on my list. See if we can uh, actually get it to come up. But let's move on to the Aether Paradise. And this is, uh, you know, where you find out shit has uh, been going down. Let's, uh, let's go and move on to the Lusamine theme. Lusamine is the the big big baddie of the game. But it's complicated because she's also your friend Lily and Gladion's mum. So what do you do? What do you do? And she gets overtaken by a by an ultra beast. Like the Ultra Beasts, they have like crazy names. So let's move on to uh, the Ultra Beast theme, and we'll talk a bit, a bit about the Ultra Beasts as well as um. Um, while playing the battle music for him. Right. So the first one you encounter is Niheligo, um, which you actually see at the very start of the game. And she's the one that takes over Lusamine. And yeah. I remember like the speculation when the Ultra Beasts were first announced, like that like all the Ultra Beasts were like characters from the game. Because like with with this one in particular, it looks like he's got Lily's hat, so like Lily would be, I don't know, transformed or something into this Ultra Beast. So there was like heaps of speculation as well, just with um with that. Uh, there's Poi which was introduced in the Ultra games. Um, this was I've never had this Pokemon because I never played through the game, and like honestly, I'd, I I want to play just to add some of these Pokemon to my Pokemon home. Which I feel like you know I need to do at some point. So what, what's here? So you get an ultra, ultra, uh, ultra mega, uh, megatopolis. So the first ultra base you'll obtain is uh, pol. Pole. Uh, the ultra base is given to you at Ultra Metropolis after you defeated Ultra Necrozma. Poi uh Pokemon is unique to the world of Ultra Metropolis. Uh, you get offered. We pull by the Ultra Recon Squad, though you don't need to take it immediately. You can return to get it. It evolves after evolves into other Ultra Beast, uh, Naganeldor. Naganeldor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. I really don't know much about the Ultra Recon Squad. There are another there are another bloody um, team or squad that they introduced. Um, let's move on. So Buzzwall. This is a big buff bug looking man. Pretty cool. <laughs> one of the first that they announced as well. Uh, feramosa which is a really elegant looking Ultra Beast. Uh, when the games were first announced, we thought this was going to be Lusamine because it was pretty much her figure, her stance. And to be honest, I think like they're all sort of based on one another. Next one's Exercutry, which is... Which is like an electric type. It's just like a bunch of cables and electric sort of imagery. Doesn't really make much sense. Uh, Celesteela, another Pokemon or Ultra Beast. Looks crazy. Uh, Katana, just like a bunch of swords. (laughs) Guzzlord, which is probably the coolest one. It's like this big black uh, sort of mess with like big mouth and arms with mouths on them, and a little head on top, it's just, I don't know how to describe some of these, It's just like, yeah, then there was, um, some other ones introduced in Ultra, Sun and Ultra Moon as well, so, yeah, the Ultra Beasts just play a massive part of this game, basically, um, Solgaleo and Lunala can open up, um, Ultra Wormholes, and it opens up portals to other worlds, and you're able to get the Pokemon, or get the ultra beast through that so it's a really interesting concept i think it's cool that they have sort of kept it as like just one thing in alola as well to make it unique But there's like this group of pokemon or they are pokemon you can catch them in beast balls and stuff i guess but like this group that aren't legendaries or mythicals or whatever have you that you can collect and stuff just for these and it just it opened it up for like really weird designs just Designs that don't make any sense because Pokémon typically the designs are pretty, pretty basic, and that's sort of the charm of it—why things look cute and um, more animal-like. Unlike Digimon, where it's just like balls to the wall, just put as many features into the one animal or the one monster as possible, and that's sort of sort of the direction they went with the Ultra Beasts. All right, let's keep going down this list here. See if I can find anything I want to play. Pokemon League. Let's do that one. This is the music you'll hear when you first get to the Pokemon League. Congratulations, you beat all the trials. Well done. (laughs) And let's go to the Elite Four battle music. Trying to make my mind up Like It sounds It sounds like really familiar Just like from like Older Pokemon games Cause you go from like That Hawaiian sort of vibe In the music For like a lot of these Maybe not all the battle music This sounds epic Before we get to the champion music, let's get, let's go and listen to the battle music from Soul Gallio and Lunala. And what I think makes these Pokemon especially interesting is that they're actually a part of the same evolutionary line. So Cosmog evolves into a Cosmonium, and then whether you level it up to level 53 in either Sun or Moon, it actually evolves into either of the legendaries in that game, which I think is awesome. That they're actually related to one another and that, you know, the fact that they both can um, open up Ultra Wormholes and cause all this havoc with the Ultra Beasts, it actually, you know, it kind of makes sense because they are a part of the same family. Oh, listen to this bit. Wow, that, that, that's a really good... I reckon that's like my favourite track from the game and I can't even rem- remember it. <laughs> like I said, it's been five years <laughs> since I played these games. All right, let's go to the Champion Battle music. This titled Battle at the Summit. So let's see what it's all about. Oh, it's classic. Where is it? Oh, yes. I remember this now. It's really cool. Like when you actually did this battle as well, like just like the lols in the music and as it's like building back up when you're taking turns, it felt really good. Like it wasn't just like full bore the whole time. It actually works really well with the battle. And like I mentioned at the start of the episode too, like you're actually versing the Professor, Professor Kukui, who is actually setting up this Pokemon League. It's a really nice touch as well, just like the world building. Our, you know, this is a region that is, you know, has its own culture. It's getting into, um, I guess, Pokemon battling a bit more seriously and actually wants to be represented in the Pokemon League and have its own sort of battle facility as well. So it's really, it's really quite awesome. I love like, you know... I think the story for this game and the world building is great. Um, you know, just the story, the characters are really, really. You know, I was gonna say memorable. Not that I remember it all necessarily, but I got a bad memory. So, <laughs> but just how it all fits together with the like the brand new uh, regional forms, the the new Pokemon, the region itself. I just really wish that it was just a bit more open. That the story didn't stop here. And that you could explore like more of the islands, more of the sea. There was just more to sort of do along the way. Like, there's plenty of side quests and stuff. They're all like a bit fetch questy and stuff like that. But there's plenty of that kind of stuff in there. But, yeah, I'm really, um, really quite happy with, you know, what what was sort of revealed in these games and what was brought forward um, going into the future. Even though that you know it's probably my least favorite Pokemon game, but just, uh, I think that it's still a still a good game. Like, whenever we talk about it on the House of Mario, I always feel like it always you know sounds like we hate it. And you know, being my least favorite in a series, I'm very passionate about. I guess uh, I guess it might come off that way, but Generation Seven did did a lot good. <laughs> it did a lot good. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's let's uh, start wrapping things up with a write-in from Zach from the Blowing Cartridges podcast, and he says, "My main memory I have is the launch day they did at Federation Square in Melbourne. It was the first event for a game I recall being held at a place that wasn't an EB Games, and it was an accre- it was incredibly exciting. Seeing hundreds of Pokemon fans go- gathering to welcome in a new generation was a sight to behold." Playing a game on the train home, getting my Rowlet and starting the adventure was an experience I will never forget. The game itself was very fresh. Mixing things up with the trials rather than typical gym leaders was a nice change of pace. I think the game has some of the most memorable characters um, as well. Shout out to uh, Nanu. Um, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon were a bit of a letdown. Felt too similar to the original games and coming out of the post- post Switch World was not particularly exciting. It was also a fun time for the Pokemon TCG uh, for me as well. Not particularly ex- not not particularly exciting. It was also fun time. Oh, I regret. It. it was also a fun time for the Pokemon TCG for me, collecting and playing in the local card shops. I think they did a good job at not getting too involved in gimmicks uh, at the tail end. So, yeah, that is um, a great point because I, you know, I wasn't into the cards at this point. I sort of Um, got a bit more involved sort of, you know, I guess last year, like I really spent way too much money on Pokemon cards. But yeah, thank you for writing in, Zach. That would have been awesome at Federation Square, dude, just being a part of that. He actually included some photos in the um, Discord where he posted it in the House of Murray Discord and it looked awesome. It was just like Federation Square, for those that don't know, it's um, basically a a communal place in Melbourne um, right in the CBD and, you know, you can meet up there. There's restaurants and stuff there, and there's like a, there's a stage there that people were doing like cosplay competitions and stuff on. Looks like Nintendo Australia or whatever were holding something there. So, look looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, we're in COVID at the moment. I don't know when we're ever going to see anything like that ever again. But I would love to be a part of that because my um my latest experience was Pokemon Sword and Shield, and it unlocked digitally on the eShop at twelve o'clock and clicked on it and I started playing it. (laughs) That's my experience these days. But yeah. So guys, that pretty much brings me to the end of uh, this little, I guess, exploration through the Alola region. And I feel like, you know, I couldn't do it as much justice as I would have liked. I reckon a playthrough would have helped me sort of explore the themes and uh, the locations and all that a lot more, which I just haven't got around to. Unfortunately, but regardless, I hope you enjoyed listening to this House of Mario Encore all about the Alola region. And I think when it comes down to it, I like, I love Alola region. I love the Alola region. I love the Pokemon in it. I love the themes, the characters, Team Skull, the the Aether Foundation somewhat. I think they made it way too obvious, but they actually were bad. So that was a bit of a shame because at the cutscene at the very start of the game, they're just like, they're looking angry. (laughs) they're chasing Cosmog it's like alright well they're obviously bad so if they didn't do that I reckon it would have been a lot more of a surprise and just like just the the themes of the game the legendaries the Tapus. um, although I didn't talk about the Tapus too much but they're they're great sort of legendary Pokemon there's four of them sort of three sort of being the trio I think they (laughs) made it four just to be a bit different obviously the Tapus of each island there's four islands so I guess that's why but yeah, so if you want to uh, talk to talk talk to me about anything that I discussed in this episode, whether it was you know the music, what your favorite music track was, what your favorite uh, Pokemon is in the Alola region, your favorite town, your favorite anything like that, contact me on Twitter at iDruby or in the House of Mario Discord. There's a, uh invite in the show notes. Please be a part of that. There are fantastic people that we talk to each day about Nintendo gaming, et cetera, et cetera. We have a lot of fun. It's great being able to reach back into the community and have that back and forth instead of just having me in front of this microphone, blabbling on about whatever. But uh, I'm looking forward to moving on with this series and looking forward to doing Gala. I really like Gala, guys. I know that Sword and Shield aren't perfect games by any stretch of the imagination, but... Their take on the UK setting and the, the Pokemon League as far as being like big stadiums where people come and gather to watch, I think that was awesome how they sort of took that British culture from football and turned it into like the Pokemon as a sport. I think that was absolutely awesome. So I can't wait to dive into that. And uh, yeah, I'm sure it's probably up when you listen to this maybe. Don't know. Don't know. Anyway, guys, the doors to the House of Mario Encore are closed. Whoops, wrong button. <laughs> that's, the, that's the entrance door. But, you know, when you go out, it's just a big bang. Big bang. <laughs> anyway, guys, we'll catch you later.